Welcome to the Dog Liaison Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. On this podcast, we are taking on the dog training industry and deconstructing what it means to train a dog. In fact, I believe only you are the expert in understanding and caring for your dog, not some magical dog whisperer. And with a lot of context and some coaching, you can realize your expertise in supporting your dog. And so without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello, friends. Thank you so much for talking about giving your anxious dog confidence today. One of them you can apply to every dog. I think it's just a good policy. It's a good way to live your life. I really want to get into specifically the anxious dogs and instilling their confidence because how you build up an anxious dog's confidence and how he perceives the world, how he perceives himself, how, and most importantly, how he perceives his abilities. When you are thinking about the anxious dog, there are some subtle differences in how you would address a dog's confidence if they're anxious versus, you know, a normal, you know, I hate that normal dog, but a dog that is not facing chronic anxiety. Yes. I think one of the things that we need to address is that when we're instilling confidence, there's a lot of different angles to look at this. It's not just that the dog has to be more confident in the actual task at hand. So it's not just like he needs to be more confident in how to solve this food puzzle or, you know, it's, it's not just like a, a minute scale. There's a grander scale outside that we also need to be talking about the confidence. We need to be thinking about the confidence in the environment, the confidence that if I walk into this environment, I'm going to be able to be safe, that it's going to have a safe outcome. That's their top priority, right? Then the outcome needs to be beneficial to them, that they're not going to get hurt. They're going to win. They're going to be okay. And I think that When we think about confidence, we tend to minimize it, but I want you to think about it from all of these different angles, angles of confidence in the environment, confidence in the people that are there with him, confidence in the task at hand, and the confidence that it'll have a reasonable outcome that will be fun, positive, safe. Even though your dog is not necessarily breaking it down in those terms, those are the terms that his body is automatically pushing him through. When you have a highly anxious dog, a dog who he's very protective of himself and he is less likely to engage with something if he doesn't know exactly what the outcome is going to be. The unknown variables is very nerve wracking. So when you have an anxious dog, they want to know what the outcome is. Here's the trick with this. If you have too much success rate, it's actually starting to dissipate from its enrichment. So here's the first principle I want you guys to be thinking about, okay? We're gonna break all this down and apply it to anxious dogs. But on a grander scale, here's a principle that I need you to memorize. When we're thinking about enrichment, the dog doesn't always have to succeed in order for it to be fun. In fact, many times the failure is equally as fun if not more fun and more enriching than it would have been if the dog succeeded at the task. And you wanna think about it in terms of predatory motor patterns. So in terms of their ability to catch food or catch resources. Do you know that when animals try to hunt for food, they're usually only successful like 20 to 50% of the time. The vast majority of times, 
that animals, including dogs, are hunting for food, they fail? Do you think they don't like it? Because you might be thinking to yourself, man, if I only had a 50% success rate, that's not something I would be really, really fun with. But the act of hunting, the act of chasing down the food, the act of problem solving, the act of engaging with the task is the reinforcing part. That is the fun. So ironically, when we're thinking about giving our dog enrichment opportunities, it's not always about having the dog succeed. Now, here's where we need to transition to thinking about our anxious kids, though, because they tend to get very up in their feelings. And if they fail once, if they try something and it has a negative outcome, whereas like especially if something bad happened, you know, they got hurt, they fell, they got scared, whatever, especially if something like truly bad happened, they're very less, they're far less likely to try again for sure. But one of the things that happens is they're going to start analyzing. They're going to start to go, what is the likelihood that I'm going to succeed at this? Now, in the science world, we call this resource guarding potential or RGP. Okay. And resource guarding potential is basically, this is a really oversimplification. What I'm about to say is an oversimplification for the purpose of this conversation. Okay. Like, oh my God, disclaimers on all of this. But it's sort of like, what is the likelihood that I will win this battle? when I'm confronted with an obstacle or with a challenge, particularly another individual, what is the likelihood that I would defeat them against this resource or for this resource, okay? So it's this analysis that the body automatically does. The dogs aren't aware of the dude. They're not sitting around being like, do I think I can succeed in this, in this obstacle? It's not like, they're not like literally analyzing it. It's something that their body is automatically doing for them, right? And their body is automatically analyzing the situation going, what is the likelihood that I will succeed at this? And if a dog is highly anxious and they don't feel like they have a lot of success rate with this obstacle, they're far less likely to engage with it. This is one of the reasons why we see our anxious dogs unwilling to walk outside. And you could be thinking outside, you could be thinking, oh my God, there's a toys out there, there's birds, there's scents, there's all of these wonderful things that are like doggy heaven. Why won't my dog walk outside? But your dog is looking at all of these obstacles that he doesn't believe his body can defeat. So what ends up happening is he would rather just disengage and crawl back inside the house and be like, nope, that's a hard no for me today, than to work through it and to problem solve. Because one of the things that really, that confidence requires is the ability and the confidence to problem solve, right? The willingness to be like, I'll figure it out. And our anxious dogs need to have a higher success rate initially, in my opinion, this is just an opinion, there's no science on this, to, as far as I know, there's never been a study that actually examines how much confidence we need to instill in anxious dogs for them to become more confident. But in my opinion, when we first start off, I like to up the success rate way high. Like if a dog is, is given a task 10 times, I want them to be successful at least nine of those at least. But then as they start to become more confident with it, one of the things that you'll see is that they get faster with the task or perhaps they even become less interested in the task because they're like, well, I win every time. I figured that puzzle out. It's not as fun anymore. Now, when you start to see kind of like that, 
it's okay. Man, bring on the failure. Hey, my friend, what's been your favorite part of this episode so far? Send me a DM or email and let me know. I know we're a tiny but mighty community, which I love, but I'd also love to support as many guardians as we can. So it would really mean a lot to me if you shared this episode with a friend in need or posted about it on your IG stories. We'd really appreciate that. And now let's get back to the episode. That's the time to really throw some curveballs and be like, okay, now you're not going to succeed at this task every single time right? Maybe now I'm going to hide the food a little bit further down the hole, or maybe I'm going to get a little bit more creative with, you know, where I position this toy or how I stuff the toy or whatever. I don't know. Right. Now is the time to really up the challenge a little bit so that the success rate isn't a given. And this goes back to the premise that dogs and animals in the universe are not conditioned, are not used to having 100% success rate with the vast majority of things. In fact, they're more likely to have a higher fail rate (laughs) because that's just life in the wild, right? And so that doesn't necessarily mean that they can't get that dopamine kick, that they can't get that serotonin surge. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's not intrinsically enriching simply because they did not win the task. So when you're thinking about your confidence, Okay, and instilling confidence towards your dog. The first principle that you need to understand is that in theory, your dog should be okay with failure. But initially, when you're instilling that confidence, give your dog more opportunity to succeed. And then as you start to see that confidence build, throw in more curveballs. That's the first principle you need to be thinking about. The second principle is something called the Goldilocks effect. The Goldilocks effect, I first heard about this by an author named David Pink or Daniel Pink. Sorry, Daniel Pink. The Goldilocks effect is the not too difficult, not too easy, but just right. Not too much, not too little, but just in the middle. And the Goldilocks effect is something that you can apply to every single piece of and component of your relationship with your dog. When it comes to enrichment, when it comes to training anxiety, when it comes to training, creating patterns, when it comes to thinking about how much training your dog can handle in a certain day or in a certain week, like as far as quantity, when you think about what value treats to you, I mean, the Goldilocks effect is as a principle that you can start to have in the back of your mind for every little freaking thing. But when it comes to instilling confidence, the Goldilocks effect is really good when you need a barometer on how challenging something is for your dog, okay? So for example, if you know you wanna take your dog out to the park, right? And you think that he's ready to go to the park, you know, he hasn't been there in several months. Let's say it's been six months since he last was at the park, but you've been doing your behind the scenes training and you're like, I really think it's time. I think we can do a snafari at the park, even if it's just for five minutes. It's time. Let's do this. Anticipate that it's not going to be easy, breezy, beautiful right out of the gate. (laughs) You don't go there anticipating that like, well, I've done all the training. So as soon as I take Rover out of the car, he's just going to go bonkers and start smelling everything. And it's going to be fabulous, right? You wouldn't necessarily anticipate that it was going to be that easy. But you're also looking for it to not be so horribly awful and too challenging that even though Rover is in the park and even though Rover is standing next to you, 
he is unwilling to engage with the sniffs. He's unwilling to engage with the environment. Maybe he can't even look at you, or maybe he is looking at you and he's just freaking out. He's like, get me out of here. So that would be too difficult. But you're looking for that just in between. You're looking for indications that this is a challenge because of course it is. You have an anxious dog who is at the park for the first time. But not so challenging that he's completely like frozen. And one of the ways that you can instill that confidence is by promoting a little bit of problem solving, ensuring that it yields positive results. This is a tricky concept because I'm talking very conceptually here, okay? But when I tell you, I want you to promote problem solving, that means that you're a little more hands off as far as your dog is concerned. However, when you promote that problem solving, you are ensuring that your dog has a successful experience, which is to say he likes the outcome, he gets the treat, he gets the whatever, he gets whatever. The outcome is what he desired because that will help him build confidence until you can start to remove some of that win rate and you can start to methodically integrate some fail rate on purpose. So the Goldilocks effect is the second principle that I want you guys to carry with you. Now, I wanna recap this because I know that what we talked about today is very conceptual. But if you guys have clarifying questions or if you wanted me to talk about it as applies to a specific concept, feel free to type it in the comments. I would love to hear that. But let's like sum up the rules to live by, okay? Number one, dogs, species, are not meant to have a 100% success rate. And yet when you have an anxious dog, if they have too much failure, even if it's just one repetition of failure, they're likely to hold on to that and it's likely to work against their confidence and work against your end goal. Number two, if you're going to give your dog a higher success rate to really instill that confidence, you're looking to see when are they overly confident and they've actually started to lose interest in the game or interest in the experience because when that happens, that tells you that you're, it's opportunity for you to integrate more failure on purpose. Number three, you guys want to always maintain the Goldilocks effect. You're not looking for a challenge that's too easy, but you're also not looking for a challenge that's too difficult. You want to look for a challenge that's just in the middle. And when you pose this challenge to your dog that's just in the middle, you want to make sure that it yields positive results. And so while it may look like you are hands off, you are actually taking a very active role in your dog's experience and you're making sure that whatever the outcome is, is it's desirable to your dog. I think this is a really great conversation. I hope that you can take these concepts and apply them and have them store them in the back of your mind. Bye guys. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dog Liaison Podcast. If you did, it would help us tremendously if you subscribed to the show, left a review, and or shared with a friend. You can either post on your Instagram stories, make sure you tag me if you do, or send it directly through an email or a DM straight to a friend, letting them know, hey, this episode really made me think of you. Info on how to work with me and the Dog Liaison team is linked in the description box, or you can go to getacondog.com. We look forward to having you in the next episode. Until then, give your dog a treat for me and we'll talk soon.